Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. It's Kirsty and Isaac here. We are the co-founders of Real Coaching for Amazon Sellers, and we have worked with thousands of Amazon sellers since 2015 to help grow their businesses the right way. Now, one thing we wanted to do when we created this podcast is to help people like you guys listening right now to not only understand the ins and outs of selling on Amazon, but also make sure that you make life and business simple for yourself. Most of us wanted to create this business because we wanted freedom in some way, whether it's from a job that you currently have, or you want to spend more time with your family or travel more, spend time with your kids, whatever. But basically what we've seen happen time and time again is that sellers make things more complicated and therefore overwhelming for themselves. There's so much opportunity out there that it becomes debilitating and stops you from moving forward. So we've identified the five big mistakes. In fact, we call them the FBA killer mistakes that we have seen Amazon sellers make time and time again. And we've also made them as well. And we wanted to create a series for you guys to understand these killer mistakes and more importantly, give you the solutions to those mistakes and how also to avoid them. It doesn't matter if you started selling 10 years ago, three months ago, or if you're thinking of just starting out. Being aware of these FBA killer mistakes means that you can either restart or start the right way to make sure you're growing your business for your lifestyle goals. And today is the second episode in the series. If you missed last week's episode, we will add a link to that episode in the show notes. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, the single most important thing in your business, again, is not necessarily how much you're going to sell. It's how much cash flow, so how much money you're going to get back in and how much income you're going to make, right? So there's no point in focusing all your time and effort on those shiny new little objects that are really focused on growing the top line if you're not actually starting to make money from your business. So when you're building your business the right way, it really comes down to how much money you're going to put back in your pocket day after day, month after month, and year after year. And unfortunately, we see most Amazon sellers that fail in the first six to 12 months for one simple reason. Usually they run out of money trying to figure out a consistent way to either, you know, choose evergreen profitable products that obviously are going to make the money. Also how to keep generating and maintaining positive cash flow. Also how to keep generating predictable monthly growth, how to launch products consistently, and also how to beat the competition because Amazon is not too competitive. You just need to know how you're going to do it for yourself and your lifestyle goals. So today, we're going to talk about FBA business killer number two, and that is a broken marketing message. So what does that mean? Well, again, a lot of people come to us with this thing of my ACOS is way out of control. Uh, you feel like you're spending too much on ads. You're not getting enough out of the advertising. You also might not be getting as much organic traffic as you think you should be. You also think you probably know what your main keywords are, but you don't have any sales yet on those keywords. And if your conversion rate, so this is your unit session percentage, if that is less than 20%, well, usually these are telltale symptoms of a much bigger issue, which is that you have the wrong messaging. You're not speaking to the right people and you're not putting it in front of the right people. So the big mistake that people make in their messaging is this. You try and sell to everyone rather than speaking directly to who is most likely to buy your product or who is the most likely to use your product as well, right? So Customers really want to buy from someone like them, not some random keyword stuffed listing. I mean, how many times have we seen that where there's so many keywords you could put in your listing sometimes, right? Put them all that, in there. 
So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put them all in there. And it doesn't make any sense. It just looks like some random like bot has just done it, right? Mm-hmm. So before you actually keyword stuff your listing or write a generic listing that no one connects with, what we want you to do is ask yourself these questions, right? So number one, who is most likely to use your product? Who is the person at the end of the day who's going to use it? Not necessarily just buy it, but also, you know, get some, you know, awesome result from using this product. Mm-hmm. Also, why do they want to use your product? What's the reason? You know, what, what's the whole point of them actually wanting to use it in the first place? And then you want to kind of go a bit deeper than that. How does it make them feel to use your product? So um, it's not necessarily about, you know, what, what the product does. It's about how do they feel when they actually use it? So there's a reason why we buy certain brands over other brands, right? I drive a Mini Cooper, I could drive any other car that I want, but the reason I buy a Mini Cooper is that I feel like it's, you know, it's sporty. I feel like it's an extension of my personality. It's small, kind of a bit chunky. British. <laughs> British, <laughs> fast, you know, zipping around, you know, kind of nipping and out everywhere. It, it kind of connects with me and my personality. And also I can customize it so I can make it a bit more like me as well. So I feel cool. I feel awesome when I'm, when I'm driving that car. You might think, yeah, well, I'm selling a silicon spatula. How's that going to make people feel? Well, at the end of the day, why have they bought it? They probably want to make something quick, fast. They want to rely on it. And it makes them feel like they're an awesome master chef when they're using this thing. Yeah. Well, but, think about it this way. How, how are you going to flip pancakes without a spatula? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I want to, I'm feeling like an awesome pancake flipper. There you mm-hmm. go. That could be one of your bullet points right there, right? So think about how do you feel when, you use the, when they use your product? Also, what problem are you trying to solve? Now, you might say, yeah, well, I'm not solving world peace here by selling you know, products on Amazon. Well, no, but you are solving a problem. That's the whole reason why people actually buy products, right? Is you're solving some kind of problem in some way. So think about what is that core problem that you're trying to solve? How do they feel when the problem is solved? So it's like a before and after. Before, I felt like I couldn't flip my pancakes. You know, they were going everywhere. They were sticking to the pan. I looked stupid in front of my friends, right? Now, I'm an awesome pancake flipper. And now I I feel like um, I can go to the world championships. I know that's quite an extreme example. But you're solving that problem. They felt stupid in front of their friends. Now they feel awesome that they can actually Aren't flip pancakes. pancakes because they couldn't flip them fast enough or whatever. Yeah, all sorts yeah. of problems. Yeah, exactly. Also, how much are they really willing to spend for that product? So we're talking about a silicon spatula here. And I might let Isaac go through this because he's got this great analogy of a golden toilet, which I keep uh, bringing up as well. <laughs> so maybe you can like talk through, you know, that kind of dichotomy of, you know, I think yeah. it's an awesome thing, but do yeah. people really willing to spend money yeah, for it? I think almost every Amazon seller first in their mind says, I have to sell the world's greatest version of this product. So that way people want to buy my, my product. And while that's a great, you know, altruistic, you know, great, you know, goal to have, the the reality is that most people don't want to buy the world's greatest version of something because you're probably going to have to sell it at such a high price that most people aren't going to buy it. And what you're trying to do is trying to find a decent sized audience on Amazon that will actually buy this. Now, again, Amazon are everyday value shoppers. They're not looking for the cheapest thing necessarily, but they're definitely not looking for luxury, you know, high-priced items that are going to last forever. They're looking for consumable goods that are good value. So this would be like if you tried to sell a golden toilet to somebody who just wants to buy a toilet. Yeah, you might sell one or two golden toilets to like three or four of the richest people in the world. So you've got three or four sales. 
But just imagine how many more customers you'd have if you sold regular porcelain toilets, you'd have an unlimited tap of, of consumers, right? So that's the idea is that you don't want to just reach the, you know, the top 0.5% of, of buyers out there. You want to reach a, a very large audience who are willing to buy this product. And on Amazon, it's very clear what the price that they want to pay is because that's where the top competitors are currently at. So if you're trying to sell $10 more than them, you know, like a $15 product you're selling for 25, well, chances are you're not going to get that many sales, unfortunately. Yeah. And price is very much part of your marketing message, even though it's not like written down words. But what you're doing is you're you're putting something in front of someone and it's it's telling them something, right? Yeah. And if you're completely overpriced, as, as Isaac said, then people are going to, then it's not going to convert as well. And the reverse is true as well. If you're so cheap, then you might get some conversion, but it's not going to be the type of customer that you want to sell to, right? So it's, it is a fine line. But what you want to think about is the person, the, ask yourself all those questions that we've just run through, and then you're going to get a really good picture of who, who, you know, the type of person that wants to use the product and what they're really wanting to spend and price it accordingly. Yeah. For example, like, if you if the person never cooked in their life and they're never going to cook, they're not going to buy a silicone spatula. So stop trying to sell that person the spatula, right? Talk to the people who do cook and how they're going to use a spatula. That's your ideal client. People who cook yeah. with spatulas, essentially, that's your ideal client. And then how much are they going to pay for it? Well, it's not going to be like 30, 40, 50 bucks. I promise you that. It's going to be, you know, 10, 15, $17, somewhere in there, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And then ask yourself, how different are you from your competitors? So you don't want to be just like everyone else, right? You want to be able to stand out. And that could be something as simple as, you know, even the color of the product, the packaging of the product, the way that it, the way that it looks on your listing. So how are you different from everyone else? And make sure that you actually communicate that as well. Yeah. And I think so, that's one thing that, I think that's one thing that people overcomplicate a lot because they're like, well, how do I differentiate? I've got to add something to the product. I got to, you know, I got to put a spatula and a thermometer together. Like, why? <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, why do those things even come together or whatever? Or they'll try to like, you know, sell two packs or, or whatever. They'll just try to add anything they can. And in reality, it could be as simple as like you said, the color, the main image, the packaging helps them stand out on Amazon. So that helps you differentiate. It doesn't have to be like some crazy new technique or trick or design or anything like that. It could be legitimately just a color or something that helps you differentiate from your competitors. Yeah, exactly. So I've run through those questions again. You know, who's most likely to use it? Why do they want to use it? How does it make them feel to use it? What problem are you trying to solve? How do they feel when that problem is solved? How much are they really willing to spend? And how are you different? And asking yourself those questions are going to really put you in the mindset of the ideal client, which will then help you, you know, essentially craft your marketing message in the right way. Yeah. And I think it really helps, obviously, if you are your ideal client or if you have a very good idea of what this person's going through with this interest. So like if you're a cooking, if you're a cooking brand and you're, you're a very good home cook or you spend a lot of time cooking, you'll understand their struggles, their problems, their, you know, their reliefs when their problems are solved, all that kind of stuff. It makes it a lot easier. So once you understand that ideal client and you understand those answers, then you actually need to write that copy into your marketing and let those answers be reflected in everything you write. And it'll be, and I'll go through this here, but it's going to be everything that your brand stands for. And like we said earlier, you know, uh, you know, don't sell to everybody. Uh, and, and this is my line is, is my favorite. One of my favorite lines is don't try to sell to everyone because you risk selling to no one. You're going to alienate people if you try to make things very weird and, and try to sell to everybody. So for example, if I said, you know, 
Uh, actually, I saw this on a listing the other other day, and this was legitimately like what somebody put. It says tailor made. So this this one product was tailor made for men, women, children, survivalists, preppers, EBC. I was like, how can something be <laughs> tailor made for multiple different types of people? That doesn't make any sense. So like even just alienating people by having strange lines in your copy, it can very much be like a turnoff and it will basically like, oh, you're trying to sell to everybody. You're saying that you're selling to everybody, but how could something be tailor-made? It means you're actually just, uh, what do you you call it? Uh, You're basically just telling them something that they want to hear. So it's it's not like what they want to hear though. They're like, they want to say like, this is for me. I'm the ideal client. Stop talking to all these other people. Let me hear what you would need to say to me. And everybody else can can look at it and go, hey, this is an authority. They have an authentic reason for saying this. They're not trying to pander to everybody and try to sell to every single, you know, available person on on planet Earth. They're just saying this is for the type of person who wants to be prepared in that in that situation. And let's focus on them instead. All those other people, if they look at it and like it, great. But you know, it's really for that ideal client first. And that's when you're actually going to sell to everyone who wants to buy that product. Because when you try to sell to everybody, everybody just becomes confused. It would be like if you were trying to sell a supplement to senior citizens, but also to like young people who are athletic, be like, oh, it helps your hip, you know, your hip arthritis. Oh, it also makes you a better athlete. It's like, wait a second. I don't want the same product that an 80 year old person takes. If I'm a performance athlete, that doesn't make any sense to me. I want the brand that's talking to me as a performance athlete telling me how this product's going to help me, not how it's going to help my arthritis at, you know, the age of 80 or whatever. So that's, that's how you can risk, you know, not selling to everybody in that, in that sense. And big brands do this all the time. Actually, I'll just a funny story because that when you were talking about the tailor made for blah, 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 just reminded me of, I I was once traveling in Turkey and they had this board up and it said genuine fake watches. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's brilliant. It's like such an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, big brands do this all the time, right? So I used to work on toothpaste. We would have a different toothpaste for different needs, right? So this one's got fresh. This one is for someone who's looking for fresh breath. They all, they all look after your teeth, but essentially... This one's here for the person that wants fresh breath. This is the one's the person that wants whitening. This one's for the person that wants sensitivity. Pretty much very similar formulations as well, yeah. but they're targeted and messaged and they spend millions of dollars on specific benefits to that specific customer. So if big brands can differentiate their own products and usually formulations this way, then don't you think it would work for a brand on Amazon as well? Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, this is marketing in the sense that this is how you would talk to somebody if you were talking to them as a human being, not if you were trying to talk to an Amazon algorithm robot. And that's that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be talking to customers, not to Amazon's algorithm. Amazon's algorithm actually picks up all those great words that you're talking in through your listing and all that stuff and makes that more relevant for the customer search. So you don't have to try to force that. If you're talking like a real person talks and types and writes then you're actually going to be more relevant than you ever actually realize. So for Amazon sellers, this means you need to have this, you know, very well-written marketing copy talking to the benefits, the, the you know, the problems and the solutions and all that stuff throughout your product listing, in your packaging, in your inserts, your email follow-up, your customer service. You know, if your customer service representative is talking to people back and forth, you want to use the same language and be on the same page as what the listing and all these other things are doing. Uh, Your website and social media. Don't have like one image of something on social media that, you know, maybe for your brand is a different logo or something than all the other stuff. That's confusing. Also, don't try to like 
have different messaging and like say, oh, this is a miracle thing over here. But over here, it's like, oh, well, it only works if you actually put the work in. It's like, these are two inconsistent messages. You need to have the same messaging and same kind of brand communication throughout all that stuff. Basically, any place that your customers will see your brand or products, you need to have that consistent marketing messaging. And you need to have that basically thinking of what the customer would want to hear because you would be that person. What would you want to hear if you were in their position? If you put their, yourself in their position, you're going to understand how to talk to people a lot better. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, once you get this marketing message right, and, and you know, we do bang on a lot about this, right? And I think it's funny. I think a lot of people kind of dismiss it in a, to a certain um, extent because they're like, yeah, 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 you know, usually you've set your listings up a long time ago, right? You really put the love and care in when you're first starting. And then sometimes you might not understand this, um, this process that, that we're going through right now. So you haven't done it in this way. And I, I go back and review my listings, you know, every, every couple of months just to see if it actually is saying now what I know now more about the customer. Cause I've, mm -hmm. you know, obviously as you sell more, you get more reviews, you understand a lot more about the customer as well. So you should always keep going back and, re and refining that. And also always keep a track of what your conversion rate is, because that's going to be the core metric that you're going to measure to make sure that you're talking in the right way and messaging in the right way. Because the more people that land on your listing, the more you want them to buy, right? No point sending a bunch of traffic to something and spending all that money on ads off Amazon traffic, which we'll get into, an, into another episode. If it doesn't convert, what's the point? So once you get the marketing message right, you're going to solve these core issues in your business, your conversion is going to increase due to the customers connecting with the message. You're going to be able to drive profitable traffic using Amazon ads because you know it's going to convert. Your keyword ranking is going to improve as well due to your conversion and traffic working together in tandem. Also, your customers are going to be happier because they're going to see you as a real brand and they're going to truly you know, love and support you and be loyal to you as a brand as well. Potentially buy all your other stuff in the future. You're also going to stand out in that ocean of Amazon and basically, you know, start to put a moat around your business, start to protect yourself from that flood of Chinese sellers. Yes. Are they going to get, you know, that, you know, we've seen, we've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. Sellers coming out of nowhere <laughs> with three reviews, all of a sudden they're on page one for all the major keywords, but that's not going to last. You know, if you've done it yourself, it's not going to last. What's going to last is that conversion. And you're also going to be more profitable overall, basically due to the fact that you're not going to have to spend as much uh, money on every sale. So we've worked with, I mean, some of the conversion rates that, that we get, you know, mine range from, you know, 30 to 70%. I know some of yours are up there and you've, you've had crazy, crazy conversion rates on it across yeah. your products. Yeah. I mean, it's about um, the same anywhere between 20, 25, but that's the lowest. And then up to 60, 70, you know, even for some months, like 80%. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got those kind of conversion rates, you can spend more money to get more sales. Mm -hmm. we, and we've worked with people where we've literally, all we've done is focused in on their listings and their marketing message. And they've doubled their business by literally doing that. And how much do you think it's cost them to do that? Not much, right? Just some time and really understanding their core customer. So customers are really looking to connect with a brand that's got the identity that they have. I spoke earlier about, you know, me loving uh, Mini Cooper. I know that you love Apple Mac as well. <laughs> I love to put it in a garbage can. <laughs> but that's, that's another interesting thing because you can also use people's love and hate of brands and you can polarize people, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of brands do this, this really well. Um, there's a brand in Australia called Vegemite, right? 
to me, it tastes like crap. To other people, it tastes awesome. But you're like, are you a Vegemite lover or non or non Vegemite lover? It's, it's a very similar thing to Marmite in the UK, right? So it's either you love it or you hate it. But they're using that insight, and even the people that hate it kind of appreciate it a little bit. And you go, you know what? I might try that because maybe I shouldn't hate it. Maybe I'll try it. But the reason I bring Apple up is because they had a campaign. It was back in um, 2000. I think it was 2006. Um, so a little while ago. Um, but for me, it was a very I still remember it. It was a really awesome campaign around polarizing themselves against the biggest competitor, which was Microsoft, obviously, at the time. And the way they did it was by using, you know, a cool hip guy. I can't remember the actor's name now. Justin Long. That's it, Justin Long. And um, who embodied Apple, right? And then they've got this kind of old footy-ditty guy who was still quite funny in the ads. But the funny thing is he's actually, I think, younger than Justin Long and he just looks older. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's even better, right? Because you've got two kind of people of the same, almost like the same age, but he's in a stuffy suit. You know, he looks like an accountant. It looks like he needs to go down the gym a bit. You know, he's just kind of like got that persona. And basically, it's reflecting back the, the brand to you. Do you want to be an Apple user and look like this guy and be like this guy? Or do you want to be a Microsoft user and be like this guy and be really polarizing against yourself? So if you get a chance, there is actually a compilation on YouTube. I love what I'd love just watch them recently. I loved watching it all. But it's a really good example. And just type in, you know, Apple versus Microsoft and you'll find it. And it's a great example of how you represent your brand through not words, not features but images, right? And also how the, the brand talks, how Justin Long talked versus the guy who played the Microsoft guy, right? And um, how you can connect with both of those. And it's very obvious which one you would rather be. Yep. So I just looked it up. He's John Hodgman, who's the other actor, is seven years older than Justin Long. So they're not, he's not older, but they're not that far off. But you'd think that like one guy's like 20 and the other guy's like 35 from looking at that ad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, just very, very clever way. And I think everybody then can get the concept, right? Just by watching those ads. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, everybody wants to be the cool hip people that everybody understands instead of like the old, you know, dinosaur technology or whatever. But at the same time, some of that stuff is there for a reason. Like if, if you're literally talking to accountants, who would you rather have? The company that talks to accountants or the company that talks to kids who just want to slap on an iPad and play Candy Crush, right? You'd want the the one that is for accountants. So literally each thing has their own audience, but that's how Apple built their brand. So as long as you understand your ideal client and not try to push them into what you want them to be and just let them be who they are and then basically message them, you're really going to start to pick up your conversion and start to make everything easier for yourself. So just to recap, the major changes you need to make in your marketing messaging, basically, number one, you need to put your ideal client's interests, problems, and feelings into the messaging to connect with them as a real human instead of just a transaction. You know, don't think about them as like money in a wallet. Think about them as a person with feelings. And then make sure to keep, number two, make sure to keep all of your marketing material consistent across all your materials and to make sure not to try to sell to everybody because it alienates pretty much everybody. So you'll risk not selling to anyone. And lastly, we talked about how you need to be the brand that customers identify with in order to get the sales over your competition, because that's what's really going to focus, you know, their attention on you as opposed to everybody else out there. Because if you know what you're talking about and you know how to speak to people, then you can actually sell these things better than those people over there. So remember, guys, now that you're armed with this information, it's your job to implement this into your business and grow your business through action. Also, to get some free training on what it takes to have a successful business to fuel your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. 
Make sure to tune in next week for part three of this five-part series on how to avoid and overcome the five Amazon FBA killer mistakes for a highly profitable and simple business that fuels your lifestyle. Bye for now, guys. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.